in the baptismal form, which I omitted in my joy and exuberance over what we were doing, at the beginning, before we come to the font, it says, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. That's found in the book of Mark. And so we're going to turn there this morning to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, to hear the context of what that is, of what it's calling us to as Christian parents, certainly of that call to embrace that which Christ has promised, but to continue to understand that for which he has come, the wonder of his ministry among us in grace. And so let's hear these words, Mark chapter 10, paying special attention to verses 13 through 16. And we humble ourselves then before that word because it is the best thing that God has prepared for us in his sovereignty before the foundations of the world saying, I want you in this space and place to hear this thing that I will speak to you, my inerrant infallible word for you. And so let's receive that and hear that together. Mark 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's ask for his blessing in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we are overwhelmed by this call that you, you bring before us. The wonder of that promise, let the, the children come. Let us come before you, Lord Jesus, even now, as your word is proclaimed. Bring us again to you in fullness of faith, in childlike faith. Father, allow nothing to distract us from that now. Let not the broken man who brings the word, let not the sorrows and burdens of our hearts, Father, let no thing keep us from a glad response in receiving the wonder of your truth. And so, Lord, may we hear, may we heed, may we listen, may we learn. May we go forth, Father, thankful for the blessings of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, dear congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it would seem as though we are living in days right now in which many parents both love and loathe their children and do it all at the same time. And maybe that seems kind of weird because those two words, love and loathe, really have nothing to do with each other. And so parents right away, well, of course I love my children. And so if you were asked those parents, well, how do you love your children? Well, I provide for my kids. I work hard for my children. I want to provide for them. I want to give them every possible advantage. I want to give them every way to develop. I want to give them every athletic opportunity. I want to provide them in every way that which says to them, you are valued by me. It seems like a definition of love that kind of falls short. Because while we're so busy loving our children, and I want to put that in quotation marks, but I don't want to do those lame air quotes right now, 
you're working through this understanding that really you're too busy to do anything with them. You're loathing your children because you have no time for them. And they know it. They know what's important to you. My grades are important. My school is important. My sporting events and what that is is important. Your fandom, dad, mom, that's important. But then we don't share our life with them. And we don't share Christ with them. We don't speak the truth of our struggles and our joys. We don't share our confession of the good things of Christ. We keep telling ourselves that we love our children, but we don't know them. And they don't know our faith because there's no time for it. Because they're so busy being loved by us. Congregation, we are not as always and faithfully as we should, actively bringing our children to Jesus. We're not actively leading broken people to the Savior. And those broken people live in your house. And by the way, you're one of those broken people too. And you see, that seems so odd. Like, even in saying it and writing it this week, like, there's that angst in me because none of us are looking at our children saying, I am seeking actively to loathe you. I pray not. But then why don't we bring them before what's best? Before what we said in those promises that we're going to do all that we can to bring them, that they would come. I mean, we love, even in this regard, even in our own angst that way, we love Matthew 11, don't we? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But yet I give no rest to my kids. I share nothing of Christ with them. It's too busy. There's no time for devotions. There's no time for worship. There's no time for a second service. We don't have time for that. We've got a vacation. We've got a rest. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When is the last time that we truly ardently, vulnerably shared that with our children. You see, we've come on another day and we've witnessed great promises, majestic promises. We've heard what the Word says. We've seen every drop that spilled way too far all over the place. We've made great promises as a congregation. We will. God helping us. So now we need to be active in bringing our children to Jesus. Note what I said. Not saving my kids. That isn't yours. That isn't mine. How I wish it was. But we bring them again and again and again to Jesus, to lead them to know that belonging to Jesus 
is about receiving him with faith like a child. A life that we are not only speaking but living before. Hear it with our children. A life in Christ with them. Receiving one who grants them and grants every blessing in his perfect work and reign to his people. And so we are called today to let the children come to Jesus. And do not hinder them, for to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. And so we give ourselves then to three things this morning, if you're taking notes. We give ourselves to children bringing, to children belonging, and to children blessing. But it starts then with children bringing. And children bringing, let's be very clear, isn't just about making sure that our kids are physically present with us at all times. So kids, as you're hearing this, mom and dad should go out by themselves sometimes, and they should have five minutes of peace and quiet at the end of the day where you just let them be and love each other, okay? It isn't, parents, just having your children physically present with you in the pew on a Sunday. It isn't less than that. But it has to be more than that. Because we, as Christian parents, are called to bring them to Jesus. To bring them to the truth of his word. To continue bringing them to the reality of faith. To the call to repentance. To a life of thankful gratitude for the great and gracious salvation that is ours in him. If this is the faith that is ours, if this is that which we have claimed, Christ, because I am found in you, I may bring my child for great promises. If that is who we are, then that is what we should be living and speaking and proclaiming and teaching. And if you won't do that, you're loathing them. You're not just being lazy, you're not being indifferent. You're not having a problem with your schedule. I just don't know where the time... You've got a problem with priority. That's the problem. You're loathing your kids by your choices. Because you don't have to give them all the stuff, all the opportunities, all the possibilities. What you are called to is to give them Jesus. That's the thing. And so if your kids know more about your work, your sports teams, your hobbies, your schedule, your interests, or any of those other things, but don't know your Jesus, you're loathing them. And in spite of the great promises that we make and the love that we keep saying we have for our kids, we're doing the opposite thing. You're keeping them from Jesus. You're keeping them from what is best and good and true. Christian parents, to whom else, to what else should we be bringing our kids to? Other than him. Bring your children to Jesus. And that's the joy of reading in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him. Here were those people who recognized the great need and value of bringing their children to Jesus. Why? 
that he might touch them. And the word for children here is little children. Luke 18, 15, in its rendering of this, speaks of bringing infants. So it speaks of the nature of promise. But it speaks something more because here now is not just a personal desire. This is my personal relationship and I hope my kids have their own. No, 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 no. That isn't good enough. No, this faith that is mine, this faith that is biblical is not just a personal desire. I want my family, I want my spouse, I want my children to come to Jesus too. Because this is the most important thing to me. This is the fullest love of mine. It's the nature of promises made in God's covenant. Therefore, us and for our children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. They brought them near to him to be touched by him, to be impacted by him, to come into his presence. Are we actively doing that? Actively bringing our kids into God's presence? Because we have to. Because we go twice. Because this is what we do. It's because people will talk if we don't. No, are we actively bringing them into God's presence simply to be near Jesus? Why do we have to go to church today, Mom? Because we get to be near Jesus. Because we get to fellowship with his people. Because there is nowhere and nothing else where I would rather be and nothing else I would rather do than be with my Savior and praise his name and give thanks for the gospel that is mine that I share with you. Are we bringing them close to his person and work and grace and love and peace? Are we bringing them each and every time we open his word, as we pray with them, as we share our own delight in being near to God, as we speak of our need for his work and for his grace? Because mom and dad need his touch too. And each and every one of us needs to be touched by his spirit too which we know, even as we've studied the book of Matthew, is extremely powerful and extremely important. And so they brought their children in confidence, in faith. Jesus will care for them. Jesus will love them. Jesus will extend goodness to them and mercy to them. It's the testimony of his ministry. Jesus didn't shy away. Not from the broken Not from the sinful, not even now from those like children who are deemed by the culture to be unimportant. In fact, he stretches out his hand in blessing and healing. That when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. When we seek him, he is found by us. When we seek him with all our hearts. Are we bringing our children to Jesus? Are we bringing them before the truth or hear this in loathing? Are we, me and you, who say we love them, are we getting in the way? Does our kingdom get in the way? Does our truth get in the way? Does my traditionalism get in the way? Does my practice get in the way? Does my attitude, does my word choice, does my discipline... Does it get in the way? 
Are we blocking their way to Jesus? Because when we don't consider the importance and need to bring them, when we don't think about that need to do so at all together, except when we feel guilty when they move out, we are actively getting in their way. But it's worse than that here. Because they come in faith and confidence. This is Jesus. He will receive them. And what do they receive? The disciples rebuked them. Not encouraged. Not cared. Not welcomed. They rebuked them. Man, can't those kids just stay quiet in church? Why can't that guy discipline them like I did? What are we doing? Why does this become the talking point? As though their kids in crying in church were sinning, doing something wrong. As these children who are being brought to Jesus, as though they've done something wrong, something sinful. The disciples weren't instruments of blessing, but roadblocks to the Savior. That kids this week, I couldn't drive down 120th for a day because they were fixing a culvert. There was a roadblock. And so thankfully, it wasn't a super long detour, but it got in the way. I can't go the way that I want to. And sometimes the church is a roadblock to your coming to Jesus. Sometimes its members are a roadblock in your coming to Jesus. Sometimes your pastor is a roadblock to your coming to Jesus. Is our faith or self-importance or kingdom or sin a roadblock to your kids and my kids and our kids being brought to Jesus? It's a hard question. There are things that we have to wrestle with. Are you a roadblock by allowing your children to miss worship because they don't feel like it and you don't want to force your kids to come to church or catechism or follow in his way? Let this serve as a rebuke to you. You're getting in the way of your kid coming to Jesus. It's not cool parenting. It's not hip psychology. You're loathing your kids. Let this serve as a right rebuke to those who aren't bringing their children, but more are actively keeping them from him and pursuing everything else. Bring your children to Jesus. Bring them to his people. Bring them to his word, as broken as those people are, to that which he and he alone is able to do for them and for you and for us. Bring your children before the way, the truth, and the life. Bring them to this place and before its means to be touched by Jesus and his word and his spirit that we pray they would be made alive by the same spirit working in in us. The same living hope that we have by grace alone. Bring them actively before what it is to be children of God who belong to him. That they would know your belonging. And that in the second place, Because what I find interesting about this interaction is that Jesus is watching. He sees. He sees the promises that have been made this morning. He sees all the ways in which we say we're loving our kids that are roadblocks to them coming to him. He sees it. 
he sees those who keep little ones from him and from the words and touch of his great and blessing. He sees and he knows. And more, he will act on behalf of those children and those bringing them. Look again at verse 4. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Now, kids, when you hear that word, and you're like, well, why couldn't they use another word here, right? Like, none of us, I mean, mom and dad don't come home when we haven't done our chores, and we're like, child, I'm indignant with you, right? Mom's mad, dad's ticked. Like, we use lots of other euphemisms, maybe. But this children is the strongest word for anger recorded in all the scriptures. It's the only place in the Gospels that it's used. It is the fiercest, strongest anger of the Savior. He was indignant. That there is nothing worse. He's met any number of different brokennesses and sins and not awesome things done by the Pharisees. He's already had that interaction. And this is the one with his own disciples that he's indignant about. He saw it and it was indignant. But it's into that. Even the disciples' brokenness, even into our brokenness, as those who don't always bring our children intentionally, those who are roadblocks in our sin and misunderstanding of Christ's promises and commands, that Jesus speaks his word even today to us, saying, let the children come to me. Let them come. Hear that, parents. Let them come. If they're squirming around, if they need a couple Cheerios, it's okay. Let them come. If they're going to squawk a bit, they are living children. Let them come. Because the alternative is a church with no children, and that is a church that is dead. Let them come. Let them hear. Let them be. Yes, discipline when you must. But let them come. Let them come to hear of him crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. Let them come to be brought to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let them come with you to behold his glory, to be touched in steadfast love and faithfulness. Let them come because they've been set apart as holy to him and precious to him and have been given great promises by him. Let them come because they hold great promises that they are called in that gospel to embrace by faith alone. But more, hear it, do not hinder them. And so parents, all of us, we need to repent of the ways that we hinder our children. Congregation, we have to repent of the ways that we hinder our children. The ways we insist on our ways in kingdom rather than his. The ways we model hypocrisy and self-righteousness and call it good and force it down their throats. The way we judge, the ways we sin, we need to ask for mercy for not living and speaking and insisting on the gospel and its importance with them. 
exchanging it for all kinds of other garbage that doesn't matter and more drives them away. Because it's of kingdom importance. What's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to our church? If we're going to continue to rock the role of roadblocks rather than leaders, then the end is clear. Because we bring them, why? For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And hear that. Because the kingdom doesn't belong to your children because they're yours. That's not what this says. They are set apart by great promises. Only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, are they holders then of that promise fully. Made to belong, body and soul, in life and in death, made to be his children. Share your humility with them. Share that humble faith lived in total dependence and in heartfelt and lived gratitude for his gift. Because Jesus' word is more than just about coming to him, but what it means to belong to him. It's about how we're to receive his kingdom because it's to be received like a child. Verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Heed the clear call. In a word for your children and in a word for you. The kingdom must be received and entered with faith like a child, in true repentance and faith, believing every promise of his word and living a life only and holy for him. And how do you lead your kids in that? By bringing them to the gospel. It's clear. Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Are we calling our children to repentance and faith? Are we calling each other to repentance and faith? And yet, what does that share about the place, the heart of the disciples in this text? That's the sad part. They don't know the fullness of the gospel or the wonder of his promises. And maybe that's where we're found this morning, too. Maybe we still don't get it. They don't know the fullness of the gospel or the wonder of his promises. They have not received Jesus like children in total trust, recognizing their worth, their approach, their nearness to him isn't dependent on anything they've done. But in gratitude, they should have had and pursued and promoted only Jesus. Be brought in faith like a child. Come knowing why you belong. Share with your children why you belong. Son, daughter, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. He has paid, fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He also watches over me that it's in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for me and for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly ready and willing from now on to live for him. Wow. 
come to Jesus and receive him. Know yourself and let your children know that your belonging, their belonging, now and forevermore, can only be found in Jesus. Because it is then that we are bringing them once more to the blessing. And that in the last place briefly, because now Jesus, in being indignant, has removed the roadblock. That's the joy of his grace in this text too. Disciples, get out of the way. Let them come. Don't hinder. Get out of the way. And his response isn't just one of words. It's one of action. It's beautiful, right? I'm overwhelmed emotionally when I hear it. And he took them in his arms. I mean, maybe I should start boxing out at the font a little bit and say to dad and mom, give me the baby so that I can, right? I'm not Jesus, but the joy of holding a child, right? And here is Jesus receiving those children into his arms. Each and every one of those children, at least presumably by way of the scriptures, was received and embraced by him. Each one special to him. Each one worthy of his time and attention. Parents, it's a fitting reminder to us. We have a responsibility to bring the blessing of the gospel before each covenant child in this church. An action which served then to remind the disciples of a lesson already taught back in Mark 9. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. It was the corrective. But by way of his embraces, he is now restoring the disciples to their calling, and he's showing us ours. And it's a greater call than just giving our kids more hugs, though maybe not less than that. It's about embracing them in the name of the Lord. It's about embracing them in the name of the covenant-keeping God and the promises made to them, to make them mindful of their promises, calling them to repentance and faith, praying with them that they know Christ in the power of his resurrection. It's about receiving them, that they have a place, a membership amongst us. Well, I know their parents' names, so that's enough. Eh, no. No, they have promises with you. Let them know that he's your great blessing. That's not weird. Hey, mom, this lady that I don't know came up to me this morning and talked to me about the great promises of Jesus. (laughs) What an awesome Sunday dinner that would be. Like, that would be dancing. Like, let's get up and let's do that around the table. This person that I don't know and didn't even know that they knew me, came up to me to remind me of the beauty of Jesus. Awesome. That's life in a body. That's connection that doesn't stop. Let them know that he's your greatest blessing who provides grace upon grace upon grace. And Jesus does that by blessing them. And this isn't just some weird, he's off the cuff thing. Blessing has official sanction in the Old Testament, right? Here's Noah blessing his sons. Here's Isaac blessing Jacob. Here's Israel doing the switch hands to bless his grandsons. Blessing. 
Bless these boys, and in them let my name be carried on, in the name of my fathers Abraham, Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. The blessing Jesus gives as the sign and seal has been applied today is such a blessing because it's the promise of a name and an inheritance. That's the blessing of the Old Testament. It's the blessing of the New and so that's the joy, the first time that I've baptized a child named Christian. It's pretty cool. And Christian's name serves then, yes, as a reminder of his grandmother, but more of the faith he's named with and called to share with his grandparents and his parents, and we pray later with his children and his grandchildren. Blessing in great covenant promises, water placed as a reminder of a great inheritance promised only by faith, that if Christian confesses his sins, the Lord will be faithful and just to forgive him his sins and to cleanse him from every one of his unrighteousnesses. Josh and Amy, bring Christian to Jesus. Bring all your kids to Jesus. Congregation, bring your children to Jesus. Bring them before great promises and don't hinder them. But in Christ, share your faith and pray with them and lead them to the same grace that you need day by day. That they'd be brought to Jesus. And Jesus is faithful. He touches them in the promise that he alone can make them right with God. The only one who can bring us into fellowship with a heavenly promise according to those great promises. It is the greatest blessing given to us. So may we come to Jesus. May we be reminded of the great responsibility that's ours as covenant parents, more as disciples of Jesus Christ, to love our children and to share our faith with them and bring them to him. Let them come. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Father, the conviction that it brings before us, the calling to repentance it lays on us. Father, the great joy of fulfilled promises that are yes and amen in your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we are all guilty at times of loathing our children more than loving them, of leading them to a number of other things other than to Jesus. And so, Father, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us all the ways that we're a roadblock to their coming? In whatever way, Father, we pray that the only roadblocks we'd place in, uh, before our children are the sure commands of your word and the truth that it speaks. And more, Father, that we as a congregation, in understanding our belonging and our blessing, Father, would be a congregation of nurture and blessing, spirit-filled, Father, to speak truth and joy and love and grace into the hearts, not just those of our own gender or age group, but, Father, a true congregation of Titus II men and women and children. Father, a people who encourage each other, encourages each other in what it is to be embraced by Jesus and blessed by him.
Father, would you hear our prayer? And even now as we give an offering for the Christian Education Fund, Lord, would you use those offerings collected, Father, as an assistance to that nurture, as a call to that same blessing we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, the